Eleven o'clock comics, episode seventy-five. Like you'll never see my 75th anniversary, you'll never hear Foghat. Jason had a good suggestion today, but I couldn't find it. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh, ODB? Yeah. yeah. Nice. I was going to go that be, Oh, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, you. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I am the slightly perturbed but soldiering on Vince B. I'm David Price. And I'm excited to say I am Ryan Dunleavy. No, you're not. You're Jason Wood. What's up? Yep. Back from Windy City. And in case you didn't notice, Chris Neesman's not here this week. He is on assignment in Umbopo. He's doing some research work for us. Try and say Mbopo and research really quickly in the same sentence. It doesn't work. Mbopo research. Mbopo. Chris is not here, but he'll be back next week. He's all tired out from the Windy City show. I, I can't He's blame him. Man. From all the uh, responses I've uh, heard over and read over the weekend, it was one hell of a time, so it's no doubt that they put a lot of work into it. <laughs> it was a blast. It would have been uh, ten times a blast if uh, we had the 11 o'clock quartet together, but uh, maybe next year. Yeah. Well, in case you haven't noticed yet, David and I do not slum with the chumps. All right? Apparently. We, we, you guys <laughs> got to go to big corporate shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics is sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. You can find them on the web at dcbservice.com. Once they, their site loads in your browser window, you will be greeted with the magical discounts of which you have never seen before. Huge discounts, excellent service, wonderfully secure packing and shipping. They are, as I always say, the best. Check them out. Don't pay retail for your books. You're being very, very silly. Get them cheaper, a lot cheaper at DCBS. So Chris is not here to do the uh, drink roll call, so which one of you uh, bozos wants to do it? What you drinking, Vince? Duh, I'm drinking Pepsi Max. You don't have to comment. Let's just move on. You drinking what? <laughs> I'm drinking some Pacifico. Pacifico. Now, what is that? It's a very delicious uh, beer from somewhere in South America whose name escapes me right now. Yeah, I was actually thinking of having a beer tonight after the events of the that we went through, but mm-hmm. I said uh, I'm really not that perturbed because. These things happen, and in case you're you're wondering, I'll, I'll I'll fill you all in on it. Wait, no, no, no. We should still surprise them. No. Ah, come on. I, I thought we had an uh, open open to, door uh, policy here. Well, first we got to ask David what he's drinking. Yeah, it's very true. Oh I forgot no, no, about no, David. no. Let Vince know. Just no, no, hey, it's not I'm my show, buddy. I'm just a, it, I'm, hey. I'm not hired help. Go ahead. What, what are you drinking? Yeah, talk about me making noise. Well, <laughs> because of the past couple of days, I have had. I am. Uh, Working my way through after having another, after having a couple glasses already. 
Carta Vieja, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, product of Chile. It's a nice red wine. So that's what I'm enjoying this evening. You're sweet on the grape, aren't you? Yeah, he is. You should be Italian. He sucks on the teat of the grapevine. That's right. Get your pinky ring. You'd be styling. I'll borrow Jason's. I, I, I uh, oh. now you've got a dick ring. <laughs> I, got a, uh, I, I got a little bit of Italian in me. Very More nice. when I'm hanging out with my grandmother, a little when I'm hanging out with Vince. But Your wife had a little Italian in her a couple weeks ago. I was going to say, on a, on a good night, I'm, I'm in a little Italian, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you could tell we're hurting this week. Yeah. <laughs> Why but are we hurting, Vince? Because to get back to the story, this, if you're not paying attention, is Fred Van Lenty Month week. You should not be paying attention. Number four. And to cap off our celebration of the man and his work, I decided, hey, what better than to get him here himself and have a nice little back and forth with the man, Freddy, Fred V. Lenti. And we set it up and Fred agreed and he was going to be on tonight. But when I got home from work today, I wanted to make sure that I had enough Skype out credits in my account. So I fired up the old Skype account clicked on the uh, buy more credits because for whatever reason my skype out credits were down to zero and i don't remember them ever being that low but whatever went to the site what do you know my skype account is blocked i can't buy skype out credits for some goofy reason and the only way i can buy skype out credits is if i contact their tech support department and get my account unblocked so I fired off an email to their tech support, and wouldn't you know, it's a minimum of four business days before they'll take care of me. That's so bullshit. Fred was cool about it, though. He said, yeah, we'll just reschedule. And I, I was kind of bummed because I was prepared and coming in here, and I wanted to talk to the man himself, and I know you guys prepared. So we're probably going to have to do it sometime in October according to Mr. Van Lenty, which is cool, but a little bit of a downer, and it's all on me, really. I mean, if I checked this thing at the beginning of the week, we wouldn't be having this problem now. I'm not on the ball, so we lost Mr. Van Lenty for this week. Where my fault. Yeah. So no, now you all know you have something to look forward to. See that? I just I gave you a little no, present. I think I have something to look forward to every week. With No, this is a present that will unwrap itself in a couple of weeks. They'll be like, oh, this would have been cool a couple of weeks ago, but we had to listen to two hours of shit you guys talked about. It was relevant during Fred Van Lenty month. <laughs> but well, I still have Although, some Fred Van Lenty to talk about. I'm sure Jason and you do too. Not to mention Fred will be probably pumped to talk in October because it'll be just a few short weeks before his Action Philosophers Collected volume comes and hits the stores. So Right. And that's what I said to David. I said, it's not like there's a lack of Fred Van Lenty publicity on 11 o'clock. I mean, we did a whole month on him. We're ahead of it. Yeah, that's true. We're ahead of the curve. Every week is Kirby week. So yeah, I mean, no, the creators get a lot of love around here. Oh boy! The only the only trick is that we were we had to tell Grant Morrison we weren't going to have him on today because we knew we were having Fred on and then we couldn't get him back on. You know, it's, boy, it's, when... <laughs> it's really odd that you should mention Grant Morrison in in association with Fred Van Lenty. I don't know. It just came out today. Have either of you read Incredible Hercules one thirty five? I have not yet. It just no. came out today, so I have not. No. Grant Morrison asked high concept to this friggin' thing, Ooh, but in a way that's easily accessible for the reader. You don't feel you're at at any point in the in the story. I did not feel like I was either missing something or not understanding something. It's very straightforward, but super high concept. It is unbelievable. Pack and Van Lenti have done something with Hercules that I'll talk about it later because I got this whole angle worked out on it. So, And I was thinking as I was reading it, this is Morrison-esque, but without all the baggage. 
There you go. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. What, what were you going to say, David? The baggage. No, I mean, no, he was right with Morrison. I was just going to say that it, it, when we had to reschedule Alan Moore and, and, and listen to him go on and how just that never makes him happy. Yeah. But that's all right. He's got money, so. That's mm-hmm. true. And tantric sex, so I've heard. Nice. Cool beans. <laughs> like Sting. Yeah, Stink. <laughs> oh, stop it. I hate that man. Oh, uh, yeah, because of that time when he pushed you in front of the train, right? Yeah, I don't like his work. He's much too uh, posh and cultured for me. He's English, dude. Well, they, they that. Morrison's English, and he's Oh, yeah, not- I know. He's Scottish. Close enough. Oh, close enough. Right, yeah. <laughs> all, all, th- <laughs> you said all, all three of the English listeners are like, what? Yeah, They're all like, Templar's losing his shit right now. Yeah. I love you guys. I do. I just, I had to call to tell you this. I love you guys. There is no greater joy that I feel when I'm sitting at work and I'm listening to Vince start in on this topic where he's he's building towards something it's this revelation you know he's talking about you know the the person who inked a comic book from 1939 or the person who who uh edited this book from the 70s silver age dc book something like that vince is building towards this and everybody's waiting with bated breath and he'll say the name and it's a name that i've never heard in my entire in all my years of reading comics i've never heard this name but everybody in the podcast just goes oh like it's the greatest thing in the world i love that feeling because that means that there is still something more for me to learn you guys teach me you keep me loving comics you keep me uh, loving life man you guys are just so positive vince with your your positivity and just your honesty and your love of boobies and 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 the invisible girls boobies it's just it's inspiring david man you're like the coolest dude that i've never met we got to have a drink sometime you're you're just every time i hear your voice i'm like this is a dude i want to hang out with chris sometimes i want to throttle you for these stands that you take but at the same time i realize that it's all coming from a place of absolute love of 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 the medium and 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 i can't fault you for that because i feel that same love Sometimes I feel that love on the diametrically opposite side of the battlefield from you do, but that's okay, man, because it's comics and comics is great. Would Mr. Wood, you have this this intelligence and insight, and you are a friggin' money man who reads comics, listens to hip hop, and does podcasts. You're like the coolest guy in the world, man. You're like you're like friggin' James Bond, but with a comics podcast. It's the greatest thing. And I just, I, you know, catching up on the last few episodes that I've missed, I wanted to call to let you guys know this, that you make the greatest podcast on the Internet, and I love listening to it, and it's just a joy. And I love you guys, because I don't want to be one of these guys that, that, uh, who, whose greatest regret in life is that he doesn't tell the people that he loves how he feels. So there it is. I love you guys. And now that I've told you that, I guess I'm going to go and tell my wife how much I love you guys and her. Hey, it's me again. You know, I I realized in my last message, I wasn't fair to Chris. Chris, I was trying to be funny and, you know, we disagree on stuff. You don't even know who I am and that's the way I want it because I'm creepy. But you know what, man? You're a smart guy. You're smart. You're, you're, You're a gracious host on all the podcasts that you're on. You have a level-headedness about you that so few comic book fans and, and, and people of, of, of our 
particular hobby that, that you have you have a special quality, sir. And, and I, I didn't point that out because I was too busy going off on a ramble, and I thought it was necessary to call back and make sure that that was clear. I got nothing against you. You're awesome. You're all awesome. I, I, I love you. I love you all. Bye. And Scottish, too. I read G.I. Joe number nine today. I don't know. I still think it's kicking. Larry talk Destro? A, yeah, we Laird. talk about that. And, uh, there's actual story progression in this one. Is it really? I thought so. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd hate to talk about it because you might just start disrupting my, my feed and, like, the forum was acting up. So I'd, I'd hate to <laughs> talk about that. All right. But so I'm, I'm we... a couple months behind on, on the G.I. Joe books anyway, so i got to catch right. up. I'm dying. I can feel myself... Wasting away here. Dying to hear what Jason has to tell us about Windy City. Come on. Don't keep us waiting. You're chomping at the bit, eh? I am. Just like Mr. Ed. Yeah. Dude, it was, uh, it was a fantastic time. My first time in the Windy City on social occasion. So it, let's just say, as I'm sure you guys know when you go to one of these things, it goes by way too fast. You know? I mean, uh, it just seems like I got there Thursday morning. It's like I wake up. Freaking! It's Sunday, ready to time to go home. But uh, I don't know even where to begin. I mean, it, it just seemed like the whole weekend was basically a celebration of comics and booze. It was like yeah, <laughs> I felt yeah. like I was drunk for seventy-two hours straight. I'm stunned. I had no idea. Yeah, which isn't even... a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. So uh, Thursday, I get there. Chris picks me up, uh, which was sort of like uh, two internet lovers meeting for the first time. Chris and I had never actually met nice before. Brace. It's like Velcro. It was. It was. Chris is kind of hairy. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. A big strapping man. We had to kick around the airport for a bit because Chris had promised to uh, pick up and drive into the city uh, Richard Starkings and Moritat of Elephant Men fame. Mm. So uh, they were cool dudes. Richard and I had uh, quite a few differences of opinion, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so he's a all... rational human being then. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you would have loved him. You would have awesome. loved him. We went to lunch, and, and for those that don't know, Richard is a vegan and so Chris, ever the host, decided to, to, to haul Moritat and I, who are most definitely not vegans, along to some vegan restaurant diner where I, uh, I had to uh, regale myself with something of that ilk. But, uh, but in the midst of the conversation, uh, Starkings and I ended up arguing about whether or not Marvel and DC should exist or not. Uh, he was of the opinion that they should not. And I think I, I, I riled him up and I said, but don't you make a good chunk of your income for Marvel and DC? <laughs> And he was like, that's irrelevant. <laughs> you know, I, I love him more already. No, you would have loved him. He was right up your alley. He's batshit crazy, as they say. Cool. Um, but, but in a good way. So, uh, you know, we, we had a nice lunch, and then we rolled rolled back to Chi-Town. Chris took me to his crib, and uh, uh, I met Marta, who's very, very nice. And uh, Chris is following in the, uh, the, the long line of comic geeks who somehow managed to marry well above themselves. So... Kudos to him there. Saw the uh, infamous comic room, the man room, which we've seen pictures of. Very, very cool. I'm convinced Chris owns every trade paperback released in the last 20 years. It's pretty <laughs> bewildering. Um, I met Chris's dogs. and Have you guys met his dogs? I have not. From afar, I, I've met well, them because, because the, the crazy-ass one with the three oh, legs. No, yeah, the whole ride to his place. Like For the first few hours, Chris is like, got me all worked up about Georgia, who is his three-legged pit bull. And I'm thinking he's just fucking with me. He's like, you know, don't look her in the eyes, don't wear a hat, you know, don't reach for her, don't go to pet her. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm like, he's got to be kidding, right? He wasn't kidding. <laughs> yeah. Georgia, Georgia's a very skittish dog. 
to say the least. But uh, she warmed up to me eventually. But I have to tell you, every time I went to sleep, I kept thinking, I'm like one false move from this dog ripping my throat out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I would love but, to see you living in fear, man. That'd be a weekend for me. <laughs> dude, it was, though. It was legitimate. I was like, every time I was literally like, just keeping my eyes like level with the wall, staring at the wall, trying not to engage her in looks. And uh, oh, what the hell, dude? No, he hit the uh, pause button. Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. So uh, rookie Jason Ward. I know, right? So Chris threw his back out, and as a result, he had mentioned he had some boxes he needed me to lug down oh, to dude, his car. Dude, you fell for well, it. You dude, fell he wasn't fucking kidding about boxes. <laughs> I get to his comic room. There were like 30 boxes full of cart of comic books, hardbacks, and swag. And Chris is like, buddy, my back's really fucked up. I was like, no problem, no problem. I'll get him down the stairs. Dude, Chris Staros from Top Shelf sent Chris 20 boxes full of Top Shelf books for the, for the conference. I hope for you the skimmed convention. them before you brought them downstairs. Yeah, we took a little off the top. You know how that there goes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically... Um, Chris lured me to Chicago under the promise of going to Frontera Grill, going to that hamburger joint, getting sh- Chicago hot dogs, and it ended up being a weekend of hard labor. Yeah. But it was but fun. That's all right. For your food, yeah. man. No, but you're in shape now, so that's like that's a bonus. True. Dude, that so was a funny thing when, when when Chris first when he first picked me up. We you know we hugged and stuff, and we're talking. And he's like, "Man, you look really good." And I was like, "Thanks a lot, buddy." But you didn't know what I was like in the first place. <laughs> he's like, "He's like, yeah, well, you know, I saw pictures." I was like, "All right, that's fine." Yeah, so then finally, after a lot of manual labor Thursday, we uh, you know, we dropped a bunch of shit off at the uh, convention center and all that. We went out on the town a little bit. We met up with uh, Mr. John Suntress, rolled oh over to uh, Challengers Comics, you know, the place that, um, I don't know if you guys know uh, Patrick and Dow, they, they, they've been on AC, if, Patrick's been on AC a few times, but uh, they were uh, longtime Graham Crackers guys, and they're buddies of Mike Norton and, and Chris and Sal, and they opened up a, a new shop, I think, just about a year ago. So we rolled over there and uh, checked out the store because that's where they were going to have the uh, the pre-party for the show the next night. And I get there, and uh, the store was closed, but, you know, they listened, we were hanging out and stuff. Awesome store. Really, really great. I mean, if one of those stores, as we often say, if, if you have, you know, if, if more LCS were like this, the uh, direct market would be a lot healthier. You know, bright, well-organized, lots of space, couches, chairs, you know, just just a cool place to hang out. But uh, the the owners were super cool, and they were packing up all their swag, their boxes to sell at the Akan. And I was just seeing hardcovers and trades and everything galore. And they're like, yeah, it's all 50% off. I said, what? So I did a little mental inventory bef- long before the show of stuff I was going to come up on loot with. And then, uh, yeah, so we went to dinner, had some had some drinks, and then we went, rolled over to uh, Mr. Mike Norton's house and hung out with Norton and Chris Moreno. And I, no whooped, yeah, I whooped some serious Ultimate Alliance ass with Chris Moreno. We were the Power Man and Thing combination, and uh, it was uh, hell Ultimate of fun. Alliance one or two, two, two. They had just oh, got nice. Two. Yeah, I had never played uh, either one, so it was a freaking blast. I got to get that. It was it was way more fun than I would have thought it would have been. Dude, I put more uh, than enough hours into Ultimate Alliance two this week. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to stop. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, dude. I have to say. And that's basically it for Thursday night. You know, we booze and stuff. Uh, although I have to say, Norton's had just had just redid his um, his studio. She was kind of showing it off, and uh, I saw Cintiq, so I assume you have that same one, Vince. It's a real big screen and stuff. Yep. Is that? That's the one. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, and he was kind of showing us how he does some of his stuff. And uh, the badass actually gave me a page from Queen and Country. Look so at I you. Say, one love for, for that. That was really nice of him. 
Yeah, so Friday, Sal rolled over to Chris's place early in the morning, got to meet Sal. It was my first time meeting him, too. I'm not surprised since we butt heads on online that we ended up being like brothers uh, in person. We, we got along great. And Sal, is a, he's one of those dudes that's a giant teddy bear in person. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a super nice guy. He is not yeah. uh, abrasive in any way uh, in person. At least he wasn't to me. And uh, basically, Friday was all set up, man. It was like 11 a.m. till about 7 or 8 at night. It was just us setting up the uh, the convention center, which is uh, actually a gay, lesbian, and transgender center. Nice. So, yeah, so at lunch, we got quite a quite an eyeful of, of different interesting folk while we were sitting eating lunch down in the lobby. Oh, but, see, I would uh, love that. I'd be all over that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, dude, you, this, I'm telling you, you got to go next year. It was so many things that were Vince-centric. Yeah. I'm telling you. That, uh, we, you know, it was, it was us working. It was uh, Hank. Do you guys know Tiny Hank? I know you know him by name because he's always on the Crankcast and stuff. But yeah. Tiny Hank was there helping us. Um, comic Book Hero from the forums, Mike. Was there all day? Oh, El Dave was there. Yeah, um, who was the official photographer of the show? And yet uh, we haven't seen any photos from it. Where are these no. photos? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he took thousands, so I presume they're coming soon because the dude was taking photos every time I, I every every place I looked. So, but after we got done setting up the show, which took forever and ever, um, we rolled over, like I said, to Challengers where they had a a, a pre party. And it was we. By the time we got there, it was jam packed with with you know attendees and lots of creators. I mean, we've gone over the creator list many times, but all the usual suspects were there. The whole Kansas City crew were there. You know, um, B. Clay Moore and Kevin Mellon and Dennis Hopeless and Tony Aikens was there, and of course Tom. And we met Tom's new wife. She's lovely. Yeah. Uh, who else was there? Uh, they had a bartender. That sounded really creepy, didn't it? When I said yeah, yeah. <laughs> about Tom's wife. She's she's very cute. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, some other guy, uh, uh, Malpractice was there. Mr. Bickle, his buddy, oh, was neat. there. Who else was there? Norton and Moreno and uh, Tim Seeley and Dave Wachter, who I spent a lot of time with. Dave Wachter in the house. Awesome, um, Dave. Zach Cruzy and Ben Teed. I think I'm seeing his name now, so right? Is it Ben Teed? It's, uh, is Zach's buddy yeah. also works at mm-hmm. DCS? Yep. Andy? Uh, he wasn't at the pre-party. No, I didn't see him till the next day. But it was jam-packed. I'm trying to think. There were other people I'm probably forgetting. I apologize for that. Probably should have made a list, but... Uh, you can't um, name them all. Yeah, it was, but it was kicking. I mean, we went, you know, we went till... Uh, to to the wee hours of the night and closed down challengers and then all you know uh, went and crashed for the for the next day got there got Saturday, so wait 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 Where, what happened yeah. all that fifty percent off swag did that, well, that was, was that the, was the show pre-party. that was the pre party yeah all that so what'd you the buy show. right. the shows on Saturday so the show all right, starts. so you had to wait till Saturday to buy the stuff yeah 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 oh, so man. we get to the show and of course um, you know luckily since we had done so much the night before there wasn't a ton to do before the show started just you know get last things in order and whatnot. So the show, yeah, luckily Patrick, the the owner of uh, of Challengers, had said to me the day before, hey, you know, just uh, before the show actually starts, just roll over to our booth and just grab what you want, and uh, and we'll ring you up before the show starts. So uh, so he hooked he hooked a brother up. You guys would be thrilled with what I bought, actually. I figured you of all, all of you guys, you of all people will be thrilled that I bought the first five, or no, the first four Spider-Man brand new day trades. All right. Wow. There so. you go. Yeah, all you guys grown up. All grown's up. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I bought the hard <laughs> covers because I have the, the soft cover. I bought the hard hard covers of Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen one and two because they were Excellent. super cheap and I, they were really nice. Uh, I bought. Uh, let's see here. Just looking through my pile of shit. Of course, I left my pile upstairs where my my where my wife is sleeping. My bad on that. So I tell me while you're while you're looking. No Captain yeah. America omnibus, the first one. Dude, I looked for Avengers Forever. 
for David. I looked for uh, X Men First Class for David, and I looked for your Omnibuy, and there were none of them anywhere. I didn't see any Omnibuy from anyone. So there were twelve comic vendors there, and it was really kind of weird because Challengers had the fifty percent off trades and hardcovers. Pretty much everybody else, save for like a few boxes of really random old shit, didn't bring trades and collected editions. It was pretty stunning. Wow, Dark that's- Tower. Like all the other local Chicago stuffs, I, they mostly had back issues, you know, and wall books and statues and toys and stuff. I, I was surprised by that. I figured in today's day and age it would be more trades than anything, but I guess these That's guys true. were trying to use this as a as a way to um, move their their back issue stock. There was, I guess, and the Chicago Comics had tons of trades, and they had the great, great, you know, small press and indie stuff. But the bummer about them was they had tons of stuff I would have bought, but it was full price. It was cover price, mm-hmm. so I was kind of like, eh. But I probably spent about. 100 bucks at Challengers, so it was probably 200 bucks worth of, worth of books. Lots of cool stuff. Um, yeah, I think that way myself. Whenever I'm faced with a, I really like this, but mm-hmm. I can get these at half off. Yeah. But I've never, but I've never read them or heard of them. I'll more, I'm more likely to take the chance on the cheaper stuff. Yep, almost yep. all the time. I, uh, I bought um, from the man himself. I bought Matt Kint's brand new graphic novel, which is out from Dark Horse. Oh, really? About the giant man, you know? Yeah, three. I love that cover. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Matt Kent, super nice guy. He actually t- looks a lot, to me at least, like uh, a gray-haired Shane Kelly from CGS. Really? I think they could be brothers, yeah. But uh, they had like a little top-shelf row set up. Chris kind of put them all together. So it was Jeffrey Brown, Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, and then Nate Powell. So as I was – I was, it was great. I got to talk to Jeff for a long time. Actually, we talked okay. for probably – Okay, don't move. Uh, ha- did okay. he say anything about our episode? Some of us were close. Some of us were... Anything at all about our opinions on the nobody? I got the feeling he hasn't listened to the episode yet. Because oh, okay. Because he didn't... It didn't really... Like, we. it didn't really come up like when we were talking about the nobody and stuff. I mean, yeah. I said, hey, you know, we, we talked about it. And he said, yeah, I appreciate it. But we. Yeah, he didn't want to elaborate. So I didn't want to make hmm. him feel uncomfortable in case he actually hadn't Maybe. listened yet. Yeah, maybe you know he thinks I mean? we're all full of shit. <laughs> so, well, it was funny because at one point he did say that uh, he was he made he was like yeah he's like I he's like I got a feeling you guys most of your audience probably thinks you've talked about me enough lately and I'm like yeah probably so but uh, it was super yeah. super cool meeting him obviously because you know we're all such huge fans and he you know we've talked to him a lot but uh, he was great he he didn't have my commission already I, I had commissioned something from him mm-hmm. but that was totally fine because I know he'll 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 make good on it but he had he had pages of the nobody for sale. And I, I didn't buy one, but I really feel like I should have now in retrospect because, you know. Um, but he said Sweet Tooth is doing great. You know, DC's Vertigo is really happy with the initial sales. You know, he's he's got an idea. I think he, he either said 50 or 60 issues is what he kind of has it mapped out as. Wonderful. So sort of, yeah. yeah, so. It's about the um, but he, Vertigo anyway. Yeah, yeah, I know. So he, uh, he seems really happy. He's got some other things in the works, which I don't think, you know, he's really ready to talk about totally yet but but it sounds like things are going really well for him at dc both inside of vertigo and outside of it so what are we talking ballpark figure for uh nobody page uh they were every page was 100 bucks oh yeah uh, did Which you have your, your pick of the litter or were the choice ones uh gone he, he had a huge stack of them i mean um ron richards bought uh one of them and and it was one of the great you know it was beautiful i mean there were plenty to be had so um yeah so i bought the book from kent and he you know drew a little sketch in it for me and signed it and stuff uh, didn't buy anything from Jeff because I had already ordered the commission. We, uh, I think it was other uh, creators I, I bought stuff from. I had already I brought the uh, the Mouse Guard Winter uh, hardcover with me. I had already had a copy, but Dave Peterson, you know, signed it and drew a little mouse little mouse in it for me, uh, which was cool. I uh, 
bought a couple things from from Chris Staros at Top Shelf. Let me tell you something. Have you guys met Chris at yep. other other yeah. cons? That is it. Talk about a guy that is freaking all about the craft. Now the the day of setup, you know, most most all the crew, uh, the publishers that had sent stuff just sent the boxes and then they showed up on Saturday morning to set up. Staros was there for like five hours on on the day before, setting up the top shelf booth, setting up all of his creators' booths. He set up Powell's and Brown's and Lemire's booths and Kent's booths. I mean, the dude was just maniacal about it. And I was just thinking to myself, like, here's a guy, you know, that has reached, you know, I'd say a, a pretty fair level of success with top shelf and with his place in the industry. And yet, you know, he could have sent people here. He could have had people volunteer. And yet he's there setting up everything for him and his creators. I mean, that, that kind of speaks to the love this guy has and probably why so many people that publish Top Shelf stay with him for a long time, you know? Right. And he's quite eloquent, too. He really is, yeah. And he yeah. boozed it with us. He was out the – he came oh, out yeah. Saturday night and stuff, um, which was a lot of fun. You know, Mad Creators there. It was great. Got to meet Scotty finally. Hadn't seen him. And he is a big motherfucker. Yeah, He's yeah. a big dude. <laughs> I mean, he, he made me feel small, which is not easy. Got to meet. Uh, oh, you saw him in the men's room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We we uh, we cross swords. Oh, cross no. swords. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Speaking of GI Joe, got to talk a little bit uh, with uh, Mr. Robert Atkins, of course. Yay! And cool. uh, saw some of his art. It's looking really nice. He had a lot of l- nice original art for sale. Um, he did a Storm Shadow head sketch um, for a sketch jam that uh, that I picked up, which was awesome. Of course, spent a lot of time with, with Dave Wachter and Andy Jewett, who is an absolute sweetheart. I'm sure not telling you guys anything you don't know, but no. I have never met Andy before. And uh, he's so – dude, one thing about all these guys, whether they're at like the top of, of their craft, like Mike Norton, you know, who's, who's a you know, DC exclusive, you know, up to the, to, the, to the guys we have that are buddies that are still you know, trying to make their name out there. The one thing all these artists have in common, and Vince, I think you do have it the same issue – you all are so self-deprecating when it comes to your craft. Of course, <laughs> it was right. like, cl- like you know, classic. You, you know, Andy. You know, we Andy and I talked in the morning. You know, big hugs, chat. You know, chatting and stuff. And and then you know, kind of was going around the room. And then like halfway through the day, he he waves me over. So I come over and he's all sheepish and he's like, "Hey, Wood, you know, I'm so giddy to meet you and it's great to finally you know see you in person." And he came all the way from the East Coast and I want to do something nice for you for all you guys do at eleven o'clock. So. I know you love Deadpool, so I started working on this sketch, and he pulls out this, you know, almost finished, awesome Deadpool sketch, and I'm just about to thank him and say how sweet, you know, how sweet it was for him to do that, and he's like, but I don't think I want to give it to you, and I'm like, what do you mean, and he's like, I don't know, it's, it's not that good, maybe I'll scratch this, and I'll do another one, and I'll mail it to you, and dude, you guys, I'll, I'll scan it in and, sh- and put it on the forums, but dude, it, it's awesome, you know, and I'm like, Andy, what the fuck's wrong with you, I'm like, it's an awesome sketch, dude. I'd love to have that one. He's like, yeah. all right, let me think about it. Maybe later I'll, I'll finish it up, and, and, and if, it, if it goes well when I'm coloring it, I'll let you have it. So luckily he you know, he, he finished it, and he colored it, and he let me have it. It's, it's gorgeous, so he didn't. But I was just thinking between that and then, you know, Mike Norton, who, you know, I mean, let's, let's face it, there were a lot of name creators there, but Norton's, you know, he's big doings. He's, number one, he's a great sketch artist. He's phenomenal. Number two, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's on big books, you know. So he's trying to figure out what he's going to charge for sketches that that morning and he's like i don't know maybe i'll charge 20 and i'm like 20 dollars like dude and he's like i'm like you do you want to do a lot of sketches he's like no nah, i don't really feel like doing a lot of sketches i'm like then don't charge 20 so he runs over to scotty's table to see what scotty's charging so scotty's charging 40 so he comes back and instead of writing down 40 he writes down 30 and i'm like dude why, why don't you charge 40 and he's like i don't know that seems like a lot 
So he's charging 30 for his sketches, and if anyone out there has not seen or gotten a Mike Norton sketch, they're ridiculous. Yeah. They're so detailed, he spends a ton of time. So Mike was awesome. He did a, um, he did a green arrow for my son Jackson, because Jackson loves green arrow, and I had recorded Jackson telling Mike that green arrow was his favorite character. So Mike did a, an awesome green arrow for him. And uh, Chris Burnham, I got to, uh, to hang out with Chris Burnham quite a bit. The dude is quite a character, to say the least. I was a little bummed he didn't have any Nixon's pals left. He sold out of them, actually. But he did a sweet, a freaking sweet Doctor Strange commission for me. I mean, it is dope. It is dope. It's dope. So, uh, and then he saved my ass in a huge way because the con is wrapping up. And we're all getting ready to pack, you know, pack the room down and then, and then get to the, uh, the after party. And I realized that my other son, Colin, had wanted a Batman on a grappling hook sketch. And I had asked someone to do it for me, but they ran out of time. So they're going to do it, but they're going to mail it to me, So which was no problem. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I'm going to go home tomorrow or Sunday, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have a fucking Batman sketch for my six-year-old. And he's going to be so sad. But like, it's literally like 5.55 of the conference is ending at 6. So I go up to Ron, you know, Richards, and Tom, and I'm telling him, I'm like, what am I going to do? So Ron's like, well, you know, why don't you ask Norton? You know, And I'm like, oh, I'm like... I would ask Norton and he'll do it, but I feel bad because Norton just did one for Jackson earlier in the day and he'll do it and then I'll feel bad because, you know, it's like, I don't want to make him. So he's like, why don't you ask Burnham? You know, Burnham's just, I'm like, all right. So I go up to Burnham and I tell him the deal and I'm like, you know, I'll pay you whatever you want. You know, it doesn't have to be anything detailed. So Burnham's like, no problem, dude. It's, it's for your son. Give me, give me 10 minutes. So I come back, dude. In 10 minutes, he did a kick ass Batman on a grappling hook for my son, Colin. So huge props to Burnham for that because he's totally saved my ass, and he gave, and he gave it to me for free too, which was really really nice of him. He just I just bought him a few drinks at the after party. So yeah, man, it was just more of that, you know. I mean, plus so many cool dudes coming up. I'm telling you, fellas, I, I haven't really been to a con other than New York Comic Con since uh, since we've been doing the show, and I know because of AC, a lot of the people that were at this show probably you know know us through that and all that stuff, but. It was freaking bizarre and, and humbling how many people came up and knew the show and knew us. I mean, it was really almost to the point of being, like, weird. You know what I mean? Because, like, I'm at a show <laughs> yeah. that's got 80 creators, including guys like, you know, Scotty and Gene Han, Norton and, you know, Mortat and, and, and you know, and and yet, like, every time I'm standing when I'm talking to them, there, people come up introducing themselves to these artists and then saying, oh, and you're, I mean, they like, literally it felt like everybody knew the show. And it was really cool but also very strange you know what i mean very very kind of kind of weird totally um how many times did you hear the word crazy or insane over the weekend in association with our show lots of i love your show but i want to shake my fist lots of you guys drive me nuts uh lots of man you know i can't stop listening to your show but it would be great if you could stop doing this or stop (laughs) this or i wish you could talk about this this much but i just kept saying hey you're listening. That's all. You know, thank you for listening. Obviously, we're doing yep. something. And who else did we see? Jim Nelson from the forums was there. Steve Bryant was there. Eric Houston, who is the, uh, you know, the writer of the comic book podcast companion, mm-hmm. was uh, there helping out the whole day. He was manning the T-shirt booth the whole day and, and I think pretty miserable for doing it, but he was soldiering on. And then, like, at the end of the night, we're all packing up and stuff, and, and Houston goes, oh, it's my birthday today. And I'm like, you spent your birthday wallowing at this con as a lackey? I was like, man, you're a better man than I am. But uh, Zach introduced us to uh, Cameron and his wife, um, stopped by the con for a little bit. They weren't there for that long, but got to meet him, you know, told him we appreciate the sponsorship and, uh, you know, obviously that we appreciate the, the service and all that stuff. 
Uncle Sal, of course, was there. Got to meet got to meet Sal's kids, you know, and his wife, which was cool. Um, Sal, Sal, Brian Salazar, not not right. uh, Sal, trying to think what else. Don't want to leave anybody out, but um, Lance Kaiser came up and introduced himself. Very nice guy. Um, JGG on our forums is there, and uh, I found out that the JGG stands for Jolly Green Giant, and the guy is six foot ten and about three hundred and sixty pounds, so Ooh. he lives up to the name. Yep. And if you'd like to uh, come to our forum, you can find us at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or www.11o'clockcomics.com. In case you're curious, that is that is the truth. Uh, Brent Schoonover was in the house. Very cool. Chris Somney, David, I got to uh, meet the uh, the Yay! famous Somney as well. <laughs> He's so and, gay uh, for Chris Somney. He really is. He is. <laughs> and you know what? I, I made a huge well, yeah. error of judgment because I'm I I don't mind paying for sketches, but I generally don't like to go over like twenty thirty bucks, which kind of limits me from the quote unquote you know name creators. You know, on occasion I will if it's but but Somney was charging fifty bucks for his sketches. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know, it's probably a little much for me. I don't think I'm going to go that route. But then Ron Richards got a Cyclops from him, and he brings it back at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and completed, and I nearly shit my pants at how beautiful it was. I mean, it was effing gorgeous. So as soon as I saw it, I had huge non-buyer's remorse. I ran yeah. back over to his table, and I'm like, Chris, man, what's up? I just saw the Cyclops. Holy hey, shit. buddy. Yeah, I'm like, what's up, dude? Like, tell me you got some room on your sketch list. And you could tell... Because we had talked earlier, he was looking and he's like blinking about it, and you could tell he was this close to be like, "I'll fit you in," but I could tell it was a struggle. And I'm like, "You're pretty full, honey." He's like, oh, "I really am, man." He's like, "But I'll do one for you, and I can mail it to you." And I was like, "You know what?" I'm like, "I'm sure I'll see you soon." You know, I'm like, "Don't worry about it." But I really felt like an a hole for not getting a sketch now because it's freaking ridiculously good looking. You didn't jump on it. I didn't jump on it, but his wife was the bomb, and uh, he, he's super cool. I mean, we talked a bit about you know all the stuff he's got in the hopper. He's got tons of projects in the hopper. He's got um, a Marvel Adventures Spider-Man coming up. Yep, yep. yep. He's uh, their their um, Vertigo graphic novels coming out. Right, area is it Area Fifty One? Is it is that right? No, area it's something what else. It? But uh, he's doing. You mean the Vertigo Crime thing? Is it a crime thing? I just, yeah, I yeah. just know he he did the OGN that's coming out. Yeah, I assume, is it part of the Crime Line? Yep. Okay. So, but uh, you know, his book there, the one I think they sent you, David, for winning the contest of all the different pictures he draws his wife. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it melts your heart, right? I mean, if you're any kind of romantic, that's ridiculous. I mean, it was amazing to uh, to see. Yeah, Stegman me. wasn't there, which that fucker, he, he, he canceled. He didn't show up, so uh, yeah, fuck, fuck Stegman. No, he had a good reason. He he and his wife bought a house, so they couldn't come. I'm trying to think who, if I'm forgetting anybody, but Alex Grecian, the, uh, the writer of Proof, very cool dude. Uh, nice. Booze with him quite a bit. He's got some other things in the hopper coming up too. They're uh, they're wrapping up this first uh, run of, of proof, and then they're going to. Um, there's a character from the proof series that they're going to do a little like four shoe mini on to try and expand the universe, and then they're going to come back with second uh, volume of proof next year um, after that. Uh, Are you doing Moore. the Hellboy model? <laughs> it's funny. I said that to him, mm-hmm. and I guess you must get that a lot. And he's like, Yeah, yeah. He's like, I know we're ripping off Manuel every, every at every turn. And I was like, oh, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm like, I think that's a, it's a good thing that you're doing that. And he's like, no, no, I know. He's like, it's just that I think because of our, our subject matter and stuff, it, it does sound like yeah. to a lot of people that we're, we're doing the whole Hellboy thing. And, and I'm like, well, hey, it works, right? And I'm like, there's a reason Mignola is like one of the most successful in, you know, independent creators. So go with it, you know. Yeah, but that, uh, I, was, I didn't mean in terms of thematically or stylistically. Right. But Absolutely. No, exactly. That, that's become that's the term now. Whenever, yeah, whenever, Exactly. Precisely right. Exactly right. Hey, Jason, Vince, David, and Chris. 
It's Mario. Uh, just got done listening to uh, Woods' long talk on the uh, acquisition of Marvel by Disney, and uh, just wanted to tell him good job. Thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, and uh, just got done reading a little bit ago. Got done reading uh, Batman and Robin number three, which was dope. Man, that book's like black tar heroin. Gets me going. Uh, so yeah. But you know what? Well, think about it. After I read Black or Black Tar Heroin, after I read Black Tar, after I did some Black Tar Heroin and chased it with a little peyote. No, after I read Batman and Robin number three, the next one on my stack was the New Detective comics. And man, I tell you what, if I would go back in time, three months, and tell myself, listen, Batman and Robin's gonna be like Black Tar Heroin, but fucking Detective comics, that's gonna be like peyote with uh, with a uh, what kind of chaser would you do peyote peyote with like a, a, a cheeseburger chaser because really you know you go into sweat lodge do some peyote then afterwards they serve you cheeseburgers but no detective comics man that shit is crazy so anybody out there that you know like Promethea which I think is probably Alan Moore's best work or uh, you know anything else that J.H. Williams has done that black glove uh, or black black love storyline in in the William in the Morrison run, um, Seven Soldiers, anything J. H. Williams third done, uh, Desolation Jones, Detective Comics is the fucking bomb diggity. It's it's unbelievable. So yeah, Batman and Robin is a shit, but Detective, you know, it might hurt out hurt out on the uh, Batman and Robin. I don't know what that means. Black Tar Heroin. I'm on Black Star Heroin, and I'm on Peyote. Ah. Um, I got to meet Sean McKeever, very nice guy. He uh, he actually said he he wouldn't mind coming on the show, so we'll hold him to that. Like as like just to chat with us and whatnot. So um, if we ever have a chance to uh, talk to Sean, I think that'd be kind of fun. You know, I've always, no, we we should have a creator on us, once in a while. He, he strikes me as someone being sane. I never knew that... Uh, uh, maybe because I got the endorsement from Mike Norton. He probably doesn't actually listen to the show, so he doesn't know. <laughs> Norton was probably behind you going, this is the one, and he's like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd like to be on your show. Yes, that's right. You know who wasn't there, who was supposed to be there? The awesome sauce, Pat Oh, Lloyd. Pat wasn't there? No, he was No, there was... He He went he on had, a cruise, uh, girlfriend. Uh, Get in where I you mean, fit in, Pat. We, we, this was a few weeks ago, but yeah, no, he hasn't been on the guest list in uh, in probably about a month or so. Yeah, yeah, speaking no, of Pat, the the new GI Joe number nine has a letters page in it, mm-hmm. and there's a letter in there from someone named Pat, and and I swear it sounds like the way Lloyd oh, yeah. talks. Yeah, so I'm just wondering. Huh? It's very positive. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, uh, trying to see here. I think that pretty much wraps up the people I got to hang with her. But it was. But the cool thing about the con dudes, and this is why Sal and Chris really deserve a lot of credit here, is that. It's everything I love about a con without any of the stuff I hate. There were 12 vendors there, but it was a small component. The vendors were all chill and laid back. There was a good crowd, but it was never jam-packed. I mean, there was never, you know, 80 artists there, so there was no more than a minute or two wait at any point. You know what I mean? I mean, there was never, you could literally talk to anyone, and you had time to actually talk to the guys. So, and, so, and this was not just for me. I mean, this was for you know, this was for anybody that was there. You, you know, they had time to talk to people that they wanted to get sketches, get their books signed. You didn't have any of the douchebags that come to a con and bring seventy yeah. issues of a run and get an artist to sign all seventy of them, which just nice. drives me up the wall. 
Um, <laughs> and it was just a real chill, mellow thing. Phenomenal food setup. They did six panels. And I guess the big surprise of the panels was that Brian Azzarello showed up for the writer's panel, which cool. wasn't on the, the program. Uh, Suntress did that one. It was, it was cool. You know, the, I mean, Azzarello's serious as a heart attack. And I have to say, for a small guy, pretty intimidating dude. I had brought Filthy Rich with me in case to get him to sign it. And he was kind of meandering about the show, just talking to different people for about two hours. And I didn't have the balls to ask him to sign it. And then uh, I, after at the end of the show, I asked a few people that he knew, some of the other creators. And I said, hey, was I being a douchebag for not going up and asking Brian to sign my copy of Filthy Rich? And pretty much to a man off the record, they were like, nah, it was probably smart not to ask him to sign it. <laughs> so It's in the eyes. He's intense. You can see. I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. Katie Cook was doing these little, like, little teeny card sketch cards. But, dude, it took her, like, 30 seconds to do one, and she was charging Aww. five bucks a pop. They were selling, like, popcorn. Good. Tim Seeley was going insane because Seeley was over there getting a few for his girlfriend. And all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Independent Creator was like, holy shit, you are making a lot of money. He's, like, doing the math. He's like, you could do, like, 50 of these an hour. He's like, god damn, I'm in the – he's like, I got to start rethinking the way I do I, <laughs> I do commissions. <laughs> it's true. I got one for Colin and one for Jackson, and it took her less than a minute to do both of them, and she made 10 bucks off me. And they loved him. They were geeking out over him. So, you know, it must be, there must be something to it. And then Saturday night, you know, we packed the place down pretty quick. Chris and Sal were worn out but happy with take. They loaded Ron up with a bunch of uh, loot while they went back and finished breaking down the room. And they loaded Ron up with a bunch of loot to take all of, uh, all of the volunteers out for some serious booze at, uh, at this place called Barley Corn. And uh, we basically spent the next uh, probably seven hours getting hammered. At a few different establishments with uh, tons of creators, and there should be lots of pictures floating around the web either now or, or soon enough on that. So it was uh, it was pretty epic, guys. It was the only thing missing from it being a, 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 per, a near perfect weekend was y'all. So, Aww. but yeah, and I realize now I've probably been talking for almost an hour, but uh, I didn't want I wanted to do the yeah, show justice because it was it was awesome. Next year, definitely, I'll be there. Yeah, oh, uh, definitely, man. And uh, and also, and Chris was a fantastic host. I mean, he put me up, obviously, he and his wife, and. Uh, Made me feel right at home, and, and we hit, you know, we, we hit it off really well. So I, I, I gotta say, uh, in all seriousness, you know, really appreciate that. And, uh, and also spent a, a ton of time with, uh, with Sal and Ron and I fanboy. We were just, Ron and I were like, just hammered, just, uh, just having a blast, uh, on Saturday night with, uh, and another, another person was hanging out with us that night while, uh, I'll elaborate on, uh, Perhaps uh, off the record later, it was kind of funny, but Ron knew her from another another part of his life. It was let's just put it that way. But it was it was she was quite entertaining. Oh, you so. were in a transgender area, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. A lot of ballroom dancing going on. A lot of ballroom. Hey, <laughs> nice. So, so cool. I read two books over the weekend that totally spun my head around. I, read I, I was Vanity? no, I was well, well, yeah, but that that spun my head <laughs> spun my head around. I was addled. I was confused i was scared uh, the first one walking dead volume 10 what oh, we, really good yeah. I, I won't get into it because there's this almost this understood podcast rule that you don't get into details with walking dead because it's a lot true. of people read it in trade and they're very very particular about not spilling the beans on this book so i won't but i will say that image should include prescriptions for xanax with every volume because this thing my skin was crawl. I, I anxiety out the wahoo when I was done reading this. It, You're not lying. It almost to the. It, it's almost as if Rick and Carl have not been through enough. That Kirkman just heaps on the shit like you would not believe in this volume. You think you think you've seen it everything in Walking Dead. How much worse can it get? 
And, Apparently and, much worse. Oh, yeah, and I read this volume 10, and I was like, oh, my God. These poor friggin' people in this world that is unrelenting. One calamity after another of different stripes. You have dead people trying to end your life. You have living people trying to end your life. It's insane. And you know yeah. this, you know the scene I'm talking about. I would have done exactly the same thing in Rick's shoes. Pretty much to a letter. It's so hard for me to, to, to say. I mean, because it's the, the circumstances that they're in are so, I mean, out there. Well, just the misery that they go through. I can't. I mean, I, I I don't even know that I could make that judgment because I think in that situation, I don't even know if I would have not gone insane by then. Well, you you have children, and I think this yeah. is fairly common among <laughs> among people who do. Your worst nightmares involve harm coming to your children, mm-hmm. and you, there are certain times where I wake up and and actually after experiencing a nightmare like that, when I do remember my 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 dreams, I I'm one of those people that shuts off when they go to sleep and flicks back on when they wake up. I rarely remember my my dreams and nightmares, but but when they involve my kids, I seem to remember them for some reason. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it, whenever you wake up from something like that, it actually kills the rest of the time you're up because it, it hangs over you like a cloud. Anything to do with my children, I'm very intense about stuff like that. And for those who haven't read this, there's an incident involving Carl where Rick has to do something and do something very quickly. And he made the decision that I would make because I would, n- I would never let anything... I would die before I let anything happen to my kids. Yeah, well, I, I mean, sure, I, I think that's... That's true. And and that one scene, because I can relate to that, and I'm sure you did too, that really kicked me in the balls for the rest of the volume. I mean, I was almost shaken reading the damn thing. And, and but, it puts yeah, things in perspective. The, the events that happen at the end pale in comparison to that one incident. And, and let's be honest, the events towards the end, there's a lot more danger going on. But, but with all the things that they've gone through up to this point, would you have made the decision he made earlier in the in the book relative to the new additions or the new edition that he No. Cuz I cuz I was like, dude, I'm not hails no, I'm not. I would not take things as much as Rick does at face value. Exactly. He doesn't he used to. Like in a way he put them like in a way he constantly puts them in the situations that they're right in. and in that in in respect they're right about him when they say this guy is putting us in danger because he's he wants to be uh the mother Teresa of this yes disgusting world and you can't be and uh, but th- i think that's another step in rick's rehabilitation because in the previous volume rick didn't make any decisions because he was very afraid of making the wrong one so he made none at all uh after what happened with the yeah yeah i I think we're seeing rick come back to square one in a way but it's going to take some time and part of the reason why he does welcome these even though he knows this person from Previously, I, he still should never have brought him in because there's obviously really something working on this guy. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, bad, another bad decision, but not to the level of previous bad decisions that got him in this place that he is now. But, oh, mm-hmm. my God, Kirkman is a freak. The horror in this book is not limited to the zombies at all. And it's just, like I said, you need some prescription strength sedatives <laughs> after reading this book. I think the strength of this book is actually that that what you just said, Vince. It's that for as dangerous and pervasive and unyielding as the zombies are in the book, the real in your gut 
make you want to throw up and wonder why you read this book moments are almost all the actions of humans against other humans. Right. And you could rationalize it by saying, well, they're in a world where they are all basically insane, all coping in their own ways with their very need to survive. But you still see it, it almost, and I don't know if Kirkman's getting that deep with it, but you, you feel like he's almost taking it as a way to speak to the treatise of whether or not humanity is inherently evil, you know, or not, you're just, just fucked up. I, well, well I, I think he's trying to say that insanity is the new sanity in this book because when you have book, a, yeah. a quantum shift in the way things work, the mind mm-hmm. snaps. Uh, and, and to cope with it, you have to think in ways that you don't normally think. Yeah. When, when sanity's I, gone, there's something else. Have either of you read Cormac McCarthy's The Road? No. Not yet. I have it. I haven't uh, cracked it open yet. It's it's a a powerful, wonderful book, um, and it uh, when you're saying Vince, what would as a dad? That's a book. It's just I mean that punches me. That God, I've read it a couple of times now. It's 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 really one of my favorite books. But um, and that's re- I mean that is a story almost solely and completely about a man and his son, and how the man is trying to cope with a world that's no zombies, but it's you know post-apocalyptic. Where there's really no hope, there really is no hope for for his race, for him, for his son. I mean, it, it's you know, it's just a matter of of time before something goes wrong. I mean, there's almost you know, it's it's almost impossible for them to survive for long, and uh, and you know that from the very start of the book. And it's just it's him doing everything he can to protect his son until he can't. And it's just it, it, I, I have to imagine if I read the book as a 21 year old, I don't even know if I would have enjoyed it that much. But reading it as the father of three. Uh, it just it, it just it it just wrecks my shit and I'm um, I'm seeing Vigo is that the that's he, it he, he's the actor he's going to be the lead oh okay okay I knew I yeah. saw a trailer that reminded me of that yeah yeah and, and that's the kind of thing you're alluding to I think with Rick but why I say it's hard for me to to think of that I think because to me again you never know how you're reacting to you're put in that situation we all sure hope we're never in that situation but I think I would act like I'd like to think I would act like the way that. Um, the, the protagonist in the in the road does, which is basically completely selfless, but also he's really tough on his son too because his son is naive and um, not all that dissimilar from Sweet Tooth actually, and you know he he's he's naive to the ways of the world and he he's curious and when they come upon things that are new to him he really wants to explore them or even take momentary breaks from the monotony and, and his dad is just no we can't you know can't do this he can't you know get away from that you know stay here and it's just and and his dad's right in almost every every situation that you right. you know but it, most yeah, of us would of most of us would just freeze in that uh situation yeah. i like to think i wouldn't but the, i'm pretty sure the majority of us when faced with a a choice like the ones these people have to make they would just stop dead in their tracks and you're right about the humans in this book cuz when you when you look over the the entire series the zombies don't torture. They take no glee in the fact that they're ending your life. They do it because they have to do it, and then they move on to something else when they're done. But the governor with Michonne, is that how you pronounce her name? I think Michonne, but yeah. Michonne, and remember the scene in the prison with the uh, the two, oh, a zombie wouldn't do that. And if anything, the humans torture the zombies, too. Yeah, which is to say that they could feel. You know, I, I, you could argue the zombies don't. Feel, they're dead and they don't feel things. But from this, it's almost analogous to people that torture animals, right? I mean, you got right. They, they play games with these zombies. I mean, so. But I think it's done out of fear. Yeah, because some somewhere in the back of their minds, they realize that they are going to be shambling around mm-hmm. in short order. So let's just you know have some jollies while while you know, we're still still living. The uh, the unheralded 
man in that book is Charlie Adler. Because, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, when I first started reading it, I, I the book had already had a bunch of trades out when I caught on. I, I guess with any people, it, I joined on it late. And Tony Moore, who, of course, we all love, and he's just amazing, um, was, was on the first few issues. And then I, I switched to Adler, and I was thinking, oh, I wish Tony Moore was still on the book. But at this point, I mean, Adler's been on the book now for, what, 50, 55 issues? Yeah. Right? I mean, this is his book. And it, and if you think about it, for all the love that indie creators get and for how successful, I mean, Walking Dead, a few, there are a few, if any, more successful creator-owned books out there right now. I don't hear many people ever mention Charlie Adler, and yet he's the guy that does almost every issue of this book that so many people absolutely love. Yeah, maybe so. because he just makes it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. The facial expressions are what get me. Really subtle in some spots, mm-hmm. and he can bring the the icky with the zombies too, and does, doesn't really embellish all that much. He states what has to be graphically said, and then he moves on. It's a really good way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And really disgusting in some spots too. He's he's got he knows how to draw guts. <laughs> this is but, true. So I I I love Walking Dead. I know I don't talk about it enough because I read it in trade. So by the time the next trade comes right. out, it's it's what four or five months be- yeah. between the time I've talked about it. But when I do get them, I, I have to read it immediately. And like most people who read the book, I go out of my way to. St- to stay away from spoilers on the net. Whenever it's even mentioned, click, see ya. That's why I'm trying not to be specific uh, in talking about this, but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to lay down some love for The Walking Dead. I just shook hands with George Perez. I just shook hands with George Perez. Hey, it's Matt, a.k.a. BlazeFire33. I am just walking out of the mini Megacon here at Orlando, Florida Convention Center. And let's see, aside from getting Mysterious the Unfathomable number 1 signed by Jeff Parker and talking to him and Jim Cagliotti and a whole bunch of other great creators, I just shook hands with George Perez. I just shook hands with George Perez. If only Pat Loika was here. <sighs> well, that's it. Talk to you guys later. The other book, which was even more mind-boggling than Walking Dead, was Jonathan Hickman's Pax Romana. Oh, boy, you are this, talking my language? This book friggin' scared the shit out of me. I, I really can't sum up why, but it's, it's a very scary vision of the future. And I agree with the point I'm hoping Hickman is trying to make, but it's still very unsettling extremely well done. It took me about an hour and a half just to make it through the first issue. This is a very, very dense work. Extremely dense. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of pop-up video style info blurbs that enhance your appreciation of what's going on because data porn yeah yeah, there's a lot of information there's Mm -hmm. transcripts of conferences between the clergy and the and the uh the mercenary uh contingent it's it's nuts but i i want to hear your take on it before i get into it a little bit because i'll i'll be totally honest with you i had to read the last issue a couple times I didn't really grasp the ending. I don't know if I still did. I'm not sure I disagree with you because I just got the trade, probably the same as you. I got it from DCBS, so I, I, but I read it. I read that, fa- the latest Fables trade and the latest Walking Dead trade all in that same week. And I've been meaning to go back and read, po- reread Pax Romana because I agree. It's um, Those familiar with nightly news 
I think visually are, are going to having if they haven't seen Boxer Rana visually it's that same thing it's it's Hickman's same style it's very graphic very you know very graphic artsy lots of uh, as Vince said data lots of um, uh, modular components um, not a lot of you know pure illustration but the story I think is a lot denser a lot more layered um, so the basic premise is that the clergy, the Catholic Church, have for for a long time, and really this is true of recorded history, the Church has always been quietly very informed as to the sciences and developments on that front. I know a lot of people may be surprised to hear that, but that's actually the truth. I think that was the impetus for Hickman's idea. But the basic premise is, at some point, the Catholic Church scientists that work for the Church discover time travel, and no one else in the world knows that they found it, so the Pope and his uh, his cardinals decide, with the urging of one particular person, that they should take the opportunity to travel back in time with their own set of military leaders and soldiers and philosophers and thinkers and reshape human history in order to protect and enhance uh, society as a whole, but mainly to strengthen the hold of the Catholic Church on the world. Right, uh, but there's there's a a part that Hickman makes very explicit where this Pope Pius the Thirteenth he mm-hmm. he is adamant that they go back no earlier than uh, after the crucifixion. He doesn't want to go back and mess with the the nuts and bolts of the the Christian mythology. He, mm-hmm. he because that's very dangerous. At least the guy is level headed enough to know there are certain things with which they shouldn't be meddling. So I, right. I respected his decision in, in terms of that because when it, ever is a man in his position that level-headed, so, you know, because it's all about dispersing the belief. So uh, uh, the average yeah. pope w- would be like, no, we're going back to the beginning and we're going to make these fuckers believe. This guy was like, we have to let the religion take care of itself. That was very respectable. He could have abused his power. Right, and I think that's the important thing here is that the the Pope is very skeptical of whether or not he's even making the right decision. Right. I mean, he, in fact, he's not sure at all that. I mean, ultimately they decide to do it, but it's it's literally a coin toss. I mean, he he fully embraces that making a decision could be a horrendously bad idea, but it, it ultimately he decides it's worth it. So they send a few thousand handpicked people back to the era of Constantine. Uh, which, of course, is significant because it's the Holy, Ro- Holy Roman Empire. And they send them back. And the idea is, um, and I don't, Vince, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I don't have the book handy, but what's the name of the, the general that's basically put in charge? I don't, I don't know if you know that offhand. but uh, Yeah, I got it right here. Let's see. And Hickman is really cool because he actually lists the characters. Whenever they appear, he'll do a little data blurb and, mm-hmm. and detail all the characters and what oh. they do. <laughs> No, never mind. Go ahead. Well, what's the matter? No, I was thinking of something else that I was reading that that would have been pretty beneficial to. But <laughs> why well, don't get it? Uh, no, you won't. Don't v- worry about v- it. He's, David's inferring, and, and I agree with him that uh, that Secret Warriors, written by Hickman, is confusing sometimes because because the characters in it are a secret. Yeah, the characters are mostly new and and they're not identified, and it is often very hard to figure out who's who. I agree with you. Ah, that's what you meant. I don't want to putting words in your mouth, or is that what you meant? Oh no, no, that's that. That's that's what I meant. Yeah, You're talking totally. about Brigadier General Nicholas Chase. Yeah, the, the right. guy so with Nicholas the patch Chase, and the beard. Right, and yeah. and it's it's just badass because they they handpick this group and Chase handpicks his generals. They all have a purpose, and the idea is 
we're going back, we have a mission, what I say goes, and we are just basically going to, they have a systematic plan to reshape the world, and this guy is basically, you know, the buck stops here, because once they go back, there's no communicating with the future, so they got to go back and do it. Once they're back there, they're back there, so whether they do it or they don't do it, the world's going to, history's going to change forever, and they're all conscious of that, so... He's, he's of the mind that, okay, I'm putting this team together, and once we get back there, you're going to do what I say in an unyielding way. And if anybody stops wanting to do it my way, they're killed. That's the way it is. And if I ever stop wanting to do it my way, you kill me. And they go from there. And, um, you know, so they go back to the era of Constantine, who was the first Christian emperor. And basically, as with anything like this, even though they spent months planning it and really tried to think it through and had the advantage of hundreds of years of history with which to base their decisions you cannot control uh, – you talk about the butterfly effect. Well, imagine 5,000 people with their own views on the world and how the future should be. Things don't go according to plan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they start all. off great. But as you might expect, the plans go awry because, it's, I mean, human nature, right? You can't – And <laughs> it, it, it starts with the religious contingent of the group. Yes. The Cardinal Beppe Pele. I think it's it's pronounced. He gets all, this is what we have to do. We have to push and push, make the religion seep into the consciousness of the people, and we'll do it by force, and this is how it's going to be. And they blow them away. Cold blood, just four bullets, you're gone. That's not how it's supposed to be. Boom. That's not the way the Pope wanted it. You're taking matters into your own hands, and you're dead. And so it's it's basically the military and scientific part that's pushing, oddly enough, that's trying to to secure the footholds of the religions. And, and that's what I liked about it, too, that it, it wasn't done... The religious leaders weren't responsible for proliferating the religion. It was the scientific and military aspect of it that was right. pushing it. Yeah, that was well, very it's cool. A, it's important to note, though, that, that the but he is... The military leader is a devout Catholic. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, uh, he believes in Catholicism. It's just that... He believes that the way to achieve it is first through structuring the government in such a way that the Catholic Church is always at the forefront of it. Right. Um, and the subtitle of this series is Destroy the Past, Create the Future. Correct. Right. Correct. And, and, and I think the message that Hickman's trying to make was with Constantine's son and the uh, brigadier general, it's a message of compassion, that this, this new civilization is, is based on compassion. Hmm. I'm I'm not sure I I mean do flush it out a little bit because I'm, well, they were I all agree with you but I don't I guess I didn't think of it in that in those the terms, members so. of the party were all pushing him to end Constantine's son's life this guy's a nebbish he's not going to work out you got to end it but because the the brigadier general made a promise to him and saw that the guy had the germ of something he he didn't take him out he had he had that compassion for him <coughs> and, and and a little bit of honor. The, right. to the promise he made to, to Constantine where he would look after his son. That's true, but on the other hand, I think it's it, it's important that in doing that with Constantine's son, he broke his own rule of going against the plan that they set forth. Right. That's and that's when all of his lieutenants start to say, well, you're doing what you said we could never do. And I think at that point is when you start seeing the divergence both with them, and it's that divergence which leads, at least I think Hickman has us believe that that's the impetus for things changing from what they were intended to be, and from that point, we we're, we're get the future that we're brought back into, which is much different than what they had intended when they right. left. And so. I, I found it funny that the figurehead of the the Catholic Church, the Gene Pope, would never yeah. would never exist at all were it not for science. So they right. they lo they love to make that 
ideological split between religion and science, but their poster boy is a product of science. Not oh, well, I won't sp- spoil the ending, but yeah, he's he's a product of something else too, but <laughs> which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, it's a great book. But the thing that got me Big Serpentor, a religious Serpentor. Yeah, the the thing right. that got me was the very last dialogue balloon where the kid said. And the the gene pope says, "What was your favorite part?" And the kid's like, "That we did it before 1421." And I was, "What significance does that year have?" So I had to do a little bit of research, and that's the year China discovered the world. Oh, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. Okay. So it it was all to get the jump on the Chinese. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the other thing we should say too, relative to their plan, is <clears throat> part of the important the important part of the plan is. Not just going back and changing doctrine, but going back and advancing human society in a much faster pace. Right. Yeah. So At they the, bring back their knowledge of the future weaponry, science, uh, philosophy, governmental um, darm, uh, uh, what, dogma, doctrine. Yeah, dogma. Doctrine. Thank yeah. you. That's the word I was thinking. Dog, dogma. Um, and, and they 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 want to they want to really speed up human civilization. And they so do. That we can get past. The, oh, and they do exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, so. So that that's the by the time we get back to what is now our future, the world is certainly is way more advanced in nearly every facet than it was when they left, which is pretty cool. But has that, he had the vision going in, and sure. he kept it throughout the whole series. It was awesome, awesome book. We could talk any, a, a whole lot about this. There's, yeah, I would say anyone that has any passing interest in the sociology behind history and politics, and and also the role that the role of religion. Especially Judeo-Christian religion as a political backstop, you know. And I've often, you know, uh, organized religion has often both overtly and and covertly been instrumental in controlling who has the power in the world and who doesn't. And we're now at a time, not to get too philosophical, but we're now at a time in the world where a lot of the world, especially the uh, English-speaking world, is becoming very secular. And no coincidence, the Catholic Church is at its weakest point in its history. In terms, as a, it's political power, not you know. It's certainly still wealthy and has wide reach. Lots of Catholics, but but it's no longer a the church. The Catholic Church is no longer um, very influential in, in in shaping you know Western civilization and and, and political doctrine uh, as it once was, even fifty years ago, for that matter. So uh, he really hits on those issues, and clearly these are issues he cares about, and they happen to be issues I'm really interested in um, from all angles. So this was right up my alley. It sounds like it was up yours too. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. very curious to anyone else that's read it, because um, I haven't heard too many people talk about it one or the other, whether they enjoyed it or not. Because I don't know that it's the most – I don't want to use the – I was going to say I don't know if it's the most accessible story. No, it's I don't not. know if that's a fair word, but yeah, I, so I, maybe it's fair. I, but right, I think it's it's definitely a story that if, if these aren't if these aren't concepts that interest you – I could see you not wanting to, to get through the book because it's, it's a it's, – it's book that's got you know chock full of information and you really have to you know think it through and take your time reading it and you um, have to dig in you're right but yeah I, I will give hickman credit even though it may not be the the uh the core of the book the subjects that that make up that that core may not be everybody's cup of tea but mm-hmm. he is skilled to the point where he almost makes you forget that yeah a little bit of the proceedings here are kind of dry like when when you're detailing the events of a discussion between religious leaders and you have two pages of just chock full of text most people are going to 
they, I don't, you know, this, this looks more like a chore than entertainment to me, but he sure. pulls it off. It, it's, it's not dry at all. It, it's, it's actually exciting. I found the discussions were some of the more exciting parts of the book. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to give him props for his skill. He, he's a very good writer. But yeah, right. I'm of the opinion that that separation of uh, church and state should be really hardline separated. I, like I even cringe when they say uh, one nation under God. That just kills me. Sure, sure. Well, we're of what, like do, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah, the one thing I'm I'm bummed about because this series took a long time to complete. It took I think well over a year, right between. Oh really? Yeah, for the last issue to come out. The bummer is that he had maintained that, and he—it's funny—we were talking about a Hellboy earlier. He 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 referenced it when he was doing PR for the book that he viewed this as a Hellboy-like universe where he could revisit it every year or two mm-hmm. and tell another story. Now maybe he still plans on doing that, but I got the uh, sense that that was probably unlikely to happen anytime soon with uh, with him being fully committed to Marvel. So Red Mask for Mars is thematically tied to this. It takes yeah. place in the same universe. In the far-flung future, but yeah. Right. They do. They even reference that in Pax Romana. They reference Red Mass from Mars. It's not a direct line, but yeah, they are are connected. So good. good on you, Jonathan Hickman. Loved it. But and you, could, you, you could take an issue of this and break it down into its components and just talk. We could do a whole episode on one issue of this book, but that's kind of pushing it, don't you think? But it is possible because the, the, the concepts are, are so rich that you can just go on all day. It's true. Hello, 11 o'clock comics. This is Cammy, and I'm here to give you my reenactment of the average Marvel zombie this past Monday morning. And begin scene. Oh my god, we're all gonna die! Oh, Disney and Marvel are one! Oh, Jesus, help me! Ah, my soul is on fire! Ah. And Let's hear from David, because he'd be quiet. I know. It's because we keep talking about stuff he's not reading. It's all right. It's all right. That's a good strategy, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 nothing wrong with that. I read the last two issues of uh, of Exiles, oh. and that that was that was a bummer. Th- these six issues were have, have the only thing I've read, or are the only Exiles related books I, I've ever read in the existence of of in all the years Exiles has, has been around. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I never read any of the uh, of the Winnick or the Austin or or, or the Claremont or any. Anybody else's work on this, so I'm not sure. I'm I'm pretty sure when you get to the middle or to the end of of the sixth issue, for those that have been following the team around or the title, that uh, that it was a much bigger reward, a much bigger payoff than. Uh, I mean, I I still was quite happy with with how it wrapped up, and it it it's it's not really an ending. So if uh, it if if someone wants to pick up and and run with the ball again, they they definitely can. You know, I enjoyed the little little looks at when they're in this tower and they're looking outside of a window. There's the team sees other exiles, and there is one team that uh, that consists of Captain America, who looks like he's sobbing, Wolverine, Hulk, and Spider Man, and their time broker is the Impossible Man. Mojo is a time broker for one group containing, uh, which consists of uh, Modok, Venom, Lizard, Deadpool, and it looks like uh, Selene. 
It's like Howard. No, Howard. no thanks. I joined the other team. <laughs> <laughs> Howard and Duck is a time broker, and you see thing and name orders. Someone mentions that there's a whole team of uh, that that's nothing but Wolverines. So that don't know why they didn't run with that book that it sold like hotcakes. There, there's mm-hmm. just some neat. You know, the art by by Salva Esman is is fantastic. It's a double size last issue with number six. Yeah, I, I you know I, I think if there was. If I knew more about the team, there'd be a lot more I could go on about. But unfortunately, with only six issues with these these uh, six, seven characters from other worlds, one of which Exiles readers will are familiar with because it's blank. But, you know, Witch and Panther and, and uh, Polaris, Beast and Forge, I mean, we know these characters, but we don't know these particular versions. So um, six issues really wasn't a whole lot for us to get a real huge feel of everybody feel, feel too much of an attachment to them. And, uh, but like I said, as far as, you know, if, if you've been an Exiles reader, then you will probably, I'd like to find out if anybody who did read this and also read Exiles, if, uh, if there was any sense of closure or payoff when they got to the end of it. But I mean, you know, the other things that I've, that I read that I kind of talked about on Marvel Noise really, uh, it wasn't a whole lot of, that was wowing me last week. So, um, so no, I was, I was, I was glad I figured we would, hear about Windy City and and I knew Vince was reading some stuff that I hadn't read so uh I'm 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 cool with sitting back in this one man Speaking of alternative universe timeline groups I told you earlier that I started Avengers Forever Yes and I must be semi retarded because uh, I have never read this book before I've heard very good things about it I've heard one of the best Avengers story ever uh it gets accolades from a wide swath of people different even even the people who aren't marvel fans that we know who've read it said oh it's just it's it's really good so oddly enough that dude was back at the flea market this week and i picked up the collected edition for a dollar i could not say no i'm up to issue seven everything i've heard about this series is freaking true and more it is phenomenal Written oh, yeah. by Kurt Busick and Roger Stern, with art by Carlos Pacheco, one of my favorites, and Jesus Marino, Kang Immortus, Rick Jones, a group of Avengers plucked from different periods in Avengers history. The, the Captain America is the demoralized Cap, pre-Nomad era Cap, where he, quit, oh, okay. where he quit the role and he went off on his own to find himself, uh, Genis and... Okay. Um, Mockingbird, or I'm sorry, Mockingbird, the Songbird, Melissa from um, Thunderbolts. Songbird, yeah. It's a, and oddly enough, you have the pairing of Kang and Immortus, who are the same person, and and on the Avengers team, you have two versions of Hank Pym. You have the crazy ass, bugfuck Yellow Jacket, who who's very condescending. He's a womanizer. He's uh, he's unhinged, on edge, as he was during that period. And then you have a current era giant man. Well, the Yellow Jacket version of Hank continually mentions how he killed Hank Pym, meaning the the, the person of Hank, the persona of Hank Pym, and now he's just Yellow Jacket. Uh, it's crazy. You have alternate versions of these Avengers on different Earths. One is led by uh, Killraven and Black Panther. <laughs> With with Jocasta pregnant from X, from X fifty one, it's insane. It is total. You run into the rawhide kid, two gun kid, 
the original Ghost Riders in here. And there's a, a 1950s version of the Avengers that's essentially the Agents of Atlas. Right. It's it's crazy good. Uh, but I, I will say, I, I've, and I've heard uh, other people mention this, that the printing on this trade paperback is not the best. Oh. They, no, there's there's a lot. Every couple pages, there's a, a printing problem where the black line art gets that haze, that frosting around it, where being a Photoshop user, it's like they didn't use the multiply level layer. They use something else, and you can't, like, there's actually pixels around the black line art that turn white because it's on a layer. Uh, the colors are, are messed up on some pages. It's it's nasty, but it, it it's kind of fleeting. Like you'll have two or three good pages, and you'll have two bad pages. And but for a dollar, whatever. I mean, this will prompt me to buy the hardcover. It, it's a fantastic story, complex, uh, but thankfully, Busick and uh, Stern provide notes for each issue. You get a little bit of a chronology uh, on uh, different Avengers comics where the events take place. They'll tell you where they happened, what issue you can you can find them, and it, it's great for someone with a, a mind like a sieve like mine who can't remember all this stuff. Love it. It's fan and the art. Jesus, Pacheco and Marino. Does that's it get any stuff. better? This is much more pleasing to my eye than the Pacheco that's currently working on Ultimate Avengers. But that's just I haven't, haven't seen the new Pacheco, but... It's pretty, but it's not this pretty. No, yeah, no. Yeah, this is... Uh, Avengers Forever was, was the dope scene. It seems like a lot of people didn't read that. Now, why was it? Why, why do you think that is? Is it because it was... 90s? I don't, I don't know. But I just never, I forget, I just was never it, bought it. Was it quote-unquote out of continuity? Is that why? No, it's it's in continuity. I, I'm pretty sure Yeah, I it thought is. so, but... I mean, I remember reading it. I just don't... It seems like you're not alone in a lot of guys that are... Long-time Marvel Zombies just didn't read it, and that strikes me as odd. The working methods for this series are very uh, unique, where um, there's a, an introduction by Busick where he says that they had planned to do a certain series, but that got shelved because someone else at Marvel had already pitched a similar series involving different mm -hmm. characters, and that was already in production. So they winged it they basically winged it they went into it with a germ of an idea and they let the story go as it may wherever the story wanted to go that's where they let it go and i think the the work benefits from it because it's uh, a lot of times it's it's very spontaneous it's really good i you don't know what's going to happen next and and a lot of it does have that air of like almost like a a Lord of the Rings type quest story where you have to do this and that leads to this. It's it's very modular in a way, but it it doesn't really hurt the story. It's fun, but That's I'm not finished with it yet. It could have a real shitty ending, and I would never know it because I'm on issue seven. But I don't think it. Man. I don't think it's going to. And there, there's even the Vision and the Human Torch thrown in there. The original Human Torch. There's Space Phantoms and. Avengers, let's call them props from different stories drawn into this. The Kree Skrull War plays a part in this. Mm -hmm. Really, really comprehensive story. Now, Nixon did you in say? It. Did you say you got the hardcover for? No, no, no. I I got the paperback for a dollar. The hardcover oh, okay. just recently came out. This is the original paperback. I think it was yeah, released okay, okay. in um, two thousand and two. This is the second yeah. printing. Because, yeah, the, the series came out in like. The end of '98 or something like that. So yes, yeah, so I guess a couple of years later they come out and trade. It, there's ties to Guardians of the Galaxy in the first issue. There's ties to the Kree, 
with the supreme intelligence. It's it's nuts. The Inhumans are in it. Uh, Libra, the Marvel's version of Libra, who basically, was, if you're uh, an Avengers fan, yeah, everything. The Wasp is very assertive and hot as hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a Pacheco woman. He's got a yeah. uh, a handle on the female form that's very distinctive to his uh, himself. It's it's great. When you say the original Ghost Rider, the character that they kind of renamed Knight Rider. Yes, the Western okay. version. Yeah, a- 3D Man is in here. Nice. Um, yeah, Gorilla Man, Venus. They call him Human Robot in this, but I uh, we we've known him as as Robot from Agents of Atlas. Yeah, I'm um, eleven. Genesis is kind of uh, chiding uh, Marvel. Is it Marvel Boy? Agents of Atlas? The yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah. No. He's, yeah. He, he's kind of chiding him because he has no idea how powerful the quantum bands are, and he's like, "You don't have the slightest clue how to use those." Mm. Your jewel, your jewelry, and he's like, "What?" Your jewelry. <laughs> uh, Thundra's in it. It's it's beautiful. Wow. Crimson Crimson Dynamo. It's fantastic. I, I I cannot praise this enough. You'd like it just for the T'Challa angle, because uh, part of it takes place in a future Wakanda. Ooh, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Go get it. Rama Tut too. I I I had no idea that Rama Tut. And Kang were the same person. I knew that Immortus oh, yeah. and, and Kang mm-hmm. were, but I didn't know Ramatut. You can get the issues um, pretty cheaply, too. I mean, oh, yeah. I'd be curious to see if the printing on the original issues was better than, than what turned up in this, this trade. And it's the second printing, too. you think they would have ironed it out by then, but I guess not. So, mm. and, and I'll keep my eye out for the hardcover. should be a worthy yep. purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, David had asked me to look for it in Chicago, and like I said, I didn't see any, but, but uh, it seems like it's... If you're willing to pay close to full cover, it seems like there's lots of copies out there. You know, I learned something about myself today at the uh, comic shop. What'd you learn? I like to talk a good game, but when it all comes down to it, I'm full of shit as far as yeah. the price as far as the price of comics goes. Mm-hmm. Because I bought more three ninety nine comics today than I, I think I have in a long time. And I, I didn't even I didn't balk. I just plopped them down on the counter and, and walked away with them. And I, like I said, I like to be Mr. Big Balls and say three ninety nine. That's my line in the sand. No way. But I bought this this Dark Reign, the list X Men, just because Alan Davis drew it, mm-hmm. and it was it was three ninety nine. But when I was looking through it, I realized that I have to own this because it's yeah, Davis and Farmer. Alan Davis, and, I gotta own it, man. Yeah, and it's 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 beautiful. And for the first time in a long, long time, the I won't be very specific because the book just came out today. On the second page, there's a character that I, in all honesty, have not thought about for 20 years. At least 20 years. It's true, and it's a character I loved from that particular not-such-high-selling but, but lovable book. Right, me too. And and I had to do a little bit of a wiki search because I had no idea that this happened to that person. And I was... You don't I remember was, in, what, no, in no, no, that? No, see, David, David doesn't know because he didn't Wait. read it yet. I want to spoil David, it for have him. You, have you read uh, Avengers: The List? Not yet. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, there, there's a preview which gives away what Vince is talking about at the end. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. But it's a cool angle, isn't it? Awesome. Yeah. And it, and it's just Osborn's a freaking badass, and you got to wonder how long has have these preparations been underway because doing what they did to the person had to take time. You just don't you know oh, you modify. Uh, a genetically oh. modify a person like they did 
Because th- there was something that happened, but then Osborne makes a point of saying that, yeah, we went in after the fact and spliced a little bit of this shit in there, too, to make this person even more deadly. So, oh, see, I didn't read it yet, so I'm just going for Yeah, it. but it's it's cool. It's very good. And it's Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. Yow! Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and I bought Marvel Zombies Return number four was three ninety nine. I I think Hercules and Fantastic Four were the only books I bought today that weren't Oh no, amazing was two ninety nine too. But G.I. Joe was three ninety nine. Like I said, I'm full of poop. I will pay three ninety nine for books when I want them. So I I, I I just came to the realization that I, I like to to pretend I'm a certain way, but when when the the chips are down, people I'll do buy it. what I'll, they I'll like. Pay it, I know. At least you're self aware. Hey, eleven o'clock is. It's uh, Luke here. I'm Park on the forums. Now I'm doing a lot of talk about uh, the tremendous punisher. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's in all right theories. But uh, don't hear much talk about uh, what Victor Geisler is doing on Max Punisher. He's got uh, you know the old hand, Goran Parlov on art. And uh, for anyone who's uh, a bit weary about uh, Merc with a Mouth, his Deadpool style title, to see what this guy can do, pick up his current Max Punisher arc called uh, Welcome to the Bayou. It's uh, Frank uh, taking on some uh, pretty sick fuckers. Like something out of a Rob Zombie movie or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's uh, scary, it's disturbing, it's messed up, and it is absolutely awesome. Now, uh, people have kind of written it off once Ennis left, uh, the Max Punisher book. Then people, I guess, are gearing up for Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon. But hey, the book is still here. Everyone, pick this up. It is bad AS. Also, another thing, uh, I wrote about it on the forums, but uh, another crime comic that uh, people might dig is by uh, Jamie S. Rich, and I'm going to butcher the surname here, or first name, sorry, uh, Joel Jones. Called a, uh, it's called You Have Killed Me, a good, uh, good old uh, old school private detective noir story. It's uh, from Ernie Press, and now I've got it... Uh, about a week or two after I got Parker, and I thought, mm, it's not as good as Parker, but damn, it's a damn solid read, and I uh, think people should check it out, especially with the resurgence of crime books. All right, guys, this is Luke, Parker from the forum, signing off. Love the show, guys. Have fun. Hey, 11 o'clock comics, it's uh, Luke again, Parker on the forums. Now, uh, I'm hearing a lot of uh, negativity about the... Uh, huge amount of Deadpool comics, and I'm going to have to say, uh, I love it. Uh, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and one thing I love about reading Amazing Spider-Man, I get that book three times a month, so I'm very happy. And I certainly don't hear uh, many Superman fans complaining about, you know, getting a uh, interconnected kind of um, long story with Superman nearly every week either. Now, uh, whilst all the Deadpool books aren't connected... I do uh, like the idea of having a Deadpool book to read each and every week, like uh, the Superman fans do with Superman and the uh, Spider-Man fans do with uh, Spider-Man. So, you know, whatever, they're whoring him out a bit, but for one, I can't get enough, and I love it. Have fun, guys. Bye.
Now, have either yeah. of you guys read Strange Tales yet? Read the first issue, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I looked through it. It looks fantastic. How come we didn't read it? Um, I got distracted, I guess. The I, I, first thing I read today was Incredible Hercules 135. And then I... Came out last week, didn't it? No, Strange Tales came out like two or three weeks okay. ago. I just didn't get around to it. I'm I figured you'd be it. all over that like uh, pubic hair on a teenage <laughs> well, yeah, boy. Yeah, but... I, <laughs> <laughs> no, like goosebumps. No, I, I haven't read it yet. But you could talk about it. What the hell? Why no, I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just, just curious what you guys thought. The Modoc in the hot tub. How can you go wrong? Well, hot tub. Yeah. I think it was a really valiant effort. Well, well, what? But there's a but at the end of that sentence. Well, sure no, I mean, I, I don't look. I, I, it's, it's not. It, well, it's fair to say that my appreciation for shall we say unconventional style of art has come a long way in the last few years it's fair to say that right you'd say that yeah i I, but i've always maintained that right or wrong i like my superhero books to look a certain way ah that's what it is they're dicking with your marvel characters that's what it is mr Um, stuffy don't be messing with my wolverine no no look no and here's the thing i went into this there wasn't an author in this book that i wasn't aware of what their style looks like and they they were true to their styles so it's not like i was shocked by the way the stuff looked um and because of that i i didn't dislike the book i mean i didn't read it and say wow that was a waste of 3.99 or actually it might have been more is it 4.99 it's 4.99 yeah so I mean I didn't say wow that was a four nine nine you know poorly spent but all this book really made me do because I do read small press books and I read lots of mainstream books was just think some of the guys I already read their stuff other guys were thinking oh I'd be curious to see what they do with stuff that's their own you know wow and I'm really curious to hear what I guess I'm curious about where this book fits in because knowing what we know about the quote-unquote average Marvel reader, I got to believe they'd be, if they bought this book sight unseen and they didn't actually know what it was to solicit, they probably were not pleased. On the other hand, the the people that read Peter Baggy in, or is it Bag or Bag? I don't know how you say his name, but, and all the other guys in there and, and the Perry Bible Fellowship and that stuff. If you read that stuff uh, on the regular, and that's your main type of comic, I, I gotta believe this really isn't on much of your radar either. So, this is but one of those quirky things that is trying to bridge a gap that I'm not sure is easily bridged. So, I'm curious. But on every one of the alternative styled comic websites that I frequent, they are uh-huh. all excited. Even on the Comics okay. Journal, they're all excited to see this work. Oh, Pete oh, Bags cool. Hulk! Okay. You know we haven't. We've heard so much about this Pete Bag Hulk, and yet for whatever reasons we've never seen it. We're gonna get it, and they're they're actually excited. And the same thing applies to the book that was released today. Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror number 15. That has a lot of the alt comics fans just going crazy because, in essence, it's Kramer's Ergot number 7 at an affordable price. A lot of the same artists and writers that appeared in that anthology, edited by Sammy Harkham, are in this. Okay. So, you know, and there's a lot of Fort Thunder dudes in it, Jeffrey Brown's in it that came out today. So look for it. If you didn't order it from DCBS, get it at Midtown? Jim Hanley's Midtown. Midtown, that's the one I was thinking of. Right. Yeah, pick it up. But And you said the right word. It's quirky. And quirky's good because I don't like books that act uh, the way they're supposed to. Like Hercules, uh, since we're on a Fred Van Lenthe kick. Hercules does not perform the way a standard mainstream superhero comic should perform. It 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 reaches way beyond that. It, it there's a there's a loftier goal for that book. I think that the these quirky little alt comics meet 
mainstream comics anthologies are so valuable. I don't even think we can we can overestimate just how valuable they are because even if one percent of the people that buy it say, "Hey, these characters are kind of cool," maybe they'll start picking up mainstream books. They are obviously to attract the attention of the alt dudes. They're supporting enough alt titles anyway, so it's not hurting right. anybody. It's just making Marvel more money, which. You know, that, take that as as you will, but mm. yeah, I think it's good for everyone, really. Well, I I, th- I think all that you're saying has validity, certainly, um, and and really, I mean, but you could broaden that out and say any comic that someone reads is is goodness, right? I mean, if if they right. read it and enjoy it, that. So I'm I'm not going to say you're, I disagree with you there, but the one thing about this book that I wasn't aware of until I read it is that it's basically a humor book, mm-hmm. and while that's fine, and some of the story, I mean, I love the Paul Pope story. I mean it. I don't know if it was you know four ninety nine for eight, but I love the Paul Pope story. But this was a humor book, so again, I'm not buying that this book is going to make many you know alt comic readers start reading, adding uh, Lobes Hulk to their pull list. Just as I'm not buying that a guy that spent his whole life never venturing into the back of previews is going to suddenly read this and then decide to to try out you know uh, something from one of these guys like Kachalka. But but that being said, you're right. If if, if one out of 10,000 people that read it do, great. Yeah, that's cool. And like I said, I mean, I, I pre-ordered all three of them, so I'm getting all three of them. But it's one of those books where I was really excited about it and I felt like of all the things I've read lately, it, it, it felt pretty flat. Like whereas Wednesday Comics really paid off for me. I mean, I had a lot of high expectations and it paid off. This, I thought, was a little bit more of a swing and a miss. But a valiant wow. swing nonetheless. Wednesday comics wore off me. I stopped after issue six. Mm-hmm. I, I have absolutely no problem with the humor because I bought this and I I didn't want Dash Shaw to or, or Peter Bag or, or Copperman or any of the creators like Crab Apple and, and and Levitt. I didn't want any of them to do a story that I could get from any other. Marvel comic book. The, these creators, I, I look at it as these creators were hired to tell stories in their style featuring Marvel characters. So if, if, if Peter Bagg, who is, I think, pretty much known for, for his stories having humor in it, if that's the type of Hulk story he's going to tell, I mean, otherwise it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have been a Peter Bagg Hulk story. You know, it, it, so it, it, it absolutely made sense for me the way I, I didn't think it was going to be other than these creators who do their own thing underground or independently or like Vince is saying, alt. However alternative they are in their everyday work, I, I, I didn't think we were going to get anything different from a Marvel comic with them working in it. Sure, but what I'm saying is, is again, I because of that, I don't see how this is going to... I mean, I, I don't even know if this was really created with the idea we're going to help transition, bridge the gap, but if it is, I don't, I don't see that that's a likely outcome. In other words, there are lots of Marvel zombies and DC mainstream guys that, and we always talk about this, that spend the better part of their lives just reading those two things and almost either out of fear or just no interest or lack of time or just never venture out of those realms, try as we might to convince them to do so. Um, I guess what I'm saying is if those people somehow pick this book up, I honestly don't think anything they read in there is going to make them try out these very alt-established indie creators, at least for the majority. Bluntly, I would say they're lost, but I would also say that True. there may be more eyes reading the, the Kupperman Submariner story than Kupperman may get working on his own book. And mm-hmm. 
okay, so that's the power of Marvel. That's fine. More people are going to buy it. It was in the Marvel previews, and 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 we're going to order a dozen extra copies instead of you know two. So so, so now Marvel fans that did buy this, I mean, also you know it, it was also five dollars retail, so it's a little bit more than your average Marvel deluxe type book. It, it is a Marvel Knights book. I don't want to use the term lost leader. It, it's just it, it's. It's a quirky project. I don't even want to say it's a vanity project, but it's something quirky. It's 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 independent creators who obviously have a thing for the Marvel characters that want to work on them, and and enough got together where they're able to tell enough stories to fill up three comic books with them. So I, I as as far as somebody not uh, I I don't know. I mean I know exactly what you're saying, and and yeah, I kind of feel sorry for them, but it's. I read Comics Journal, Amazing Heroes, all these other magazines when I was growing up reading comics, and it introduced me to a whole new world. Now, well, are the people going to feel that same way? No, but I just look at this as, as a project that is just neat. You know, if 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 nobody mm-hmm. goes out and and looks up back issues of of Bags Hate or or Pope's One Hundred Percent or anything like that, then oh, okay. At least you know, like we said a couple weeks ago, you know, I wouldn't want to see the Illegal Sham take on. The Invisible Man story, but it'd be neat to see Jeff Lemire do the Fantastic Four. So something like this is just like, okay, this is neat. Now I got to see and read a, a Paul Pope Inhuman story, and, it, and right, right. not to say he couldn't tell. I mean, he told a um, he told a Human Torch Spider Man story in the back of uh, an issue of Fantastic Four a couple of years ago, it, and it had some humor in it. It was more serious than than the Inhuman story, I think. But it's it's still you're not going to, I guess, see Paul Pope on on a monthly Fantastic Four book. Mm-hmm. So at least, at, at least we got this. That's the way I see it. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. That's right, 11 o'clockers, trademark, whatever. We know the deal. David, this is for you, buddy. You're a big Gail Kane fan, so I'm going to have to make really jealous. I have the first appearance of Iron Fist. Leave Marvel premiere number 15, drawn by Gail Kane. And guess what? I met him before he passed. And I also have it signed by Gail Kane. So not only do I have the first appearance of Iron Fist, I have it signed by Gail Kane. That's right. Keep your heart out. I love you guys and I enjoy the show. Haas. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. You know what? I really enjoy the artwork of Mark Bagley. I like him since the 90s when he's working on New Warriors. Even Amazing Spider-Man back in the day. People don't seem to like him because... Mm -hmm, because he's not a flashy artist. But I think he's pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to his JLA run. I know people are already dissing it, but whatever, screw him. I mean, how many artists nowadays can do a one-monthly book? This dude could do two. So, that's it. I spoke my mind. I'm out. Late 11 o'clockers. See, one of the things this book does, and I really don't think it has to accomplish anything, but that's that's besides the point. Mm -hmm. But one of the things it it does is it reveals a little bit of that hypocritical nature that these hardcore alt-comic fans have where they'll get excited that Michael Kupperman, and I did read that Namer story. That thing is freaking hilarious. With, with, the, <laughs> with the dog, I laughed out loud. But th- they'll, they'll get excited that one of the, the darlings of the alt comic scene is working on a Marvel book. That's basis for 
enthusiasm. But anyone else, a normal Namer series, they don't even it doesn't even register on their radar because it's not one of their own. So that's a little bit hypocritical that the thing that's getting these guys into this book is the fact that one of the darlings is working on it. Whereas if it was a by-the-numbers Marvel book, they wouldn't even consider it. So it's kind of hypocritical where you're focusing on the process, not mm-hmm. the just the freaking love of comics. Now, what if it was just all established Marvel artists and writers working on this book with the same goal? Just go in there and have some fun with these characters. I, I don't think it, it would have... Uh, garnered the attention that this book has and that the thing that i like about it is there's an undercurrent of it's all cool this is comics accept this for what it is and if if you can accept this well then maybe you can accept some of this work that's not superheroes because that's cool too and our normal quote books they're just as good it doesn't you don't have to to break up into these militant camps where you just stand up for the one type of comic and then deride the work of of somebody else just because it doesn't fit within your parameters that's what this book is it's happiness for everybody and some people aren't going to get it you're right but well i want to feel the way you feel and that's what i'm saying like i i feel strongly that both types of books need to be supported and can be enjoyed if people are willing to open their minds yet i and i went into this expecting this to be a celebration of that but I, after I read it, I would be lying if I said I didn't feel like I felt like it was neither fish nor fowl. Well, you're a bigger man to for admitting it, but I think maybe you have a little bit ways to go, young Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, you know, all I can say is that none of the creators in here whose work I was already familiar with are guys that I don't think do good work. But I just didn't find them telling right. these stories all that. Again, I didn't dislike It wasn't like, oh, well, this is terrible. I just, but I was just like, okay. And and this brings me back to the Ladron cable run, which was greeted with amazing levels of scorn and disgust when it came out back in the day at our local shop. That's not how my cable should look. Myself, not among them, but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And and even when you bring it up to this day, it, they, they get this look like you just took a, a, stuck a wet pinky in their ear. Like, ugh, that Ladron stuff. But those aren't the guys that are reading Elephant Man. Yeah, right. You know, right. so... It's all good. It's all comics. And and that sounds really cliched and, and kind of pat to say that, but it's true. The uh, Well, it is true, but do you think that your enjoyment of these books was fueled by the fact that both of you are rare in the sense that you both have read and appreciate quite a few of the guys that were in that book already for their own work and are also diehard long-term superhero fans? Maybe. Like, I, I don't know that either of you guys are coming from the perspective of the 99% of the people that are going to read this, which are either, as you said, Vince, the real small press people often are ridicule Marvel books and don't want to have anything to do with them. Yeah, to their, to their, it's their bad, but they're lost. But And so they're going to read this and say, oh, great, our, our boys are getting some exposure. And then you have all the Marvel zombies who wouldn't be caught dead reading a you know, Kachaka book or Cooperman book. And they're going to read. So I'm just wondering, like, you guys are the rare guys who not only are familiar with, as I am, but actually have read a lot of it and enjoyed it. So, again, I don't know that you, I get your perspective on it, but I don't know if that, I think you're probably in the ultra minority in terms of the way you can appreciate this book. That's pretty sad. Maybe we should ask Hickman if we can borrow that time travel device uh-huh. from, from, from Pax Romana and go back and stir some shit up. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, someone could argue that's hypocritical. Like, like what you like. Like, it's I mean, true. I mean, if someone doesn't like that, ba- I mean, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I, I, and I know you, I, I don't, for me, for, I don't like the way bag draws. <laughs> I, 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 just, I know it bothers you. I know it's breaking your heart, but I'm just being honest with you. I, I do not look at those pages. It does not please my eyes. And, okay. and, I, and I'm just being honest. I mean, that's, you know, but now, like I said, the Pope stuff, awesome. The Namor story was, was funny as hell. I don't, Know that I the art did anything for me one way or the other, but but I mean the story was great. Um, so you know what I'm saying? Like I think that it's people are going to like what they like. I don't know that. I think people get defensive when they feel that they're put on the defense about what they like, right? I mean, right. it works both ways. People, most comic fans aren't open minded about the stuff they don't read, but at the same point in time, I think they also feel like they sort of have to defend their own camp, and and it should, neither should be the case. People should be free to try whatever they want, and they shouldn't be ridiculed if they don't like something, you know. You're right. That that was very uh, shitty of me to want to go back and change things because people should be able to read and enjoy what they like. But besides, then if we change things, Kirby's family wouldn't be on the verge of getting. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, <laughs> be that as it may, <laughs> if if you go back to the Bronze Age and mm-hmm. just take a look at a lot of the artists working at the time, what we were served up in Strange Tales is not very far removed from a lot of the Bronze Age stuff. And then you look at Kupperman's stuff, he's got Golden Age written all over him. He is, yeah. he is a, a mm-hmm. perfect artist to illustrate the, as they, they tapped him for the for the Marvel 70th anniversary yeah, uh, yeah. issues. And so it's maybe it's the fact that you have all this diverse talent in one book that represents the modern mainstream that could put people off but i i don't think it's a very far leap to get from uncanny to this it's not a stretch kachalka is very simple but it's still comic well we'd love to hear from the audience on this one because we have some pretty diverse readers right i mean oh yeah I just thought you guys would be gushing about this. I'm surprised I was on the broad. Well, I'm a, I'll read it for next week then. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we were also waiting to see. I don't know if if uh, if Chris read it. I know that it was mentioned a couple of weeks ago after it first came out. It was even mentioned on the forum. I think even Tiki mm-hmm. brought it up. But it was, yeah. uh, you know, I think I was I was waiting for all four of us to to get together and and it's, it's not that easy. It seems these days. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like it happens. And, and I'm in the month has been uh, calamitous non quartet month, yeah, non quorum month. But I'm in the habit now of waiting until a miniseries completes before I read it. Like I'll do when, that when if Chris it's a was bringing. Story. Yeah, well, you, we're only getting a third of the incorrigible Hulk story, so I was just going to wait till it was all done. I gotcha. Like when Chris brought up the Hellboy thing, I, I don't read those until they're in the can. It, I, 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 I like the whole story. But. I hear. Hey guys, my name is Rock Valancourt, uh, Rock Vale on the forum. I'm much more of a lurker. I don't really post much. But anyway, I was just listening to the latest episode and Vince was trying to pronounce uh, the name of the uh, the colorist on Marvel Zombies. The con- correct pronunciation is Jean-Francois Beaulieu. Uh, he's a French-Canadian. Uh, I'm a French-Canadian. So uh, that's how you pronounce it. So love the show and uh, you know, you guys uh, have a good week. Bye. <laughs> I think we're out of time, boys. Think so. Oh, yeah, look at the time. We managed to survive without the Neesman, who we hope ah, will be we back next week. DC book, did we? Did we? Oh, <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> there was one that I did read, so no, we're not going to talk about it. Why do you want to? <laughs> oh, not right now. Anyway, 
Are you sure? We can't. Yes. No, no, we can't. As usual, this episode has been brought to you by DCBS Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Fantastic Wumba discounts on everything in the previous catalogs. You can get your books for far less than retail. So you, you should do well to yourself and check them out. In your travels, do yourself a huge honking favor and pick up Savage Dragon. Ooh. It's always excellent. A lot for your money. Huge letters pages. Great meaty Savage Dragon stories with awesome backups. I love the backup going on in there now. Read it. Well, also, while you're out at the comic store buying whatever Vince told you to buy, do us a favor and pick up G.I. Joe Origins. Yep. If you're only going to buy one G.I. Joe book, that's the one. You know, there's a special issue coming up uh, for Cobra that caps off the series with a focus on the bad dudes. So that's all I'm going to say in case anybody didn't. Like like the Dreadnoughts. No, it's the, yeah. Uh, criminal. Read Criminal. Ooh, yeah. There's, nice. Is there a new series that started yes. up? Uh, yeah, if, uh, it, it, it will be. Okay. Didn't come out yet then? The first issue did not come out? Did not come out yet, no. Oh, good. And you know, I, I did not know that they don't reprint the back matter in the trades. They've been saying that since day one. I didn't know that. Yep, that's Where his incentive to get you to buy the single. Maybe I did know that, and I just kind of blocked it out. Because just said the hell with it. I'm still buying a collection. Yeah. Don't tell me what to buy. Bitches. Thanks a lot, people. We will see you next week. Or you'll hear from us next week. Picky. He's out. I am. Bye. Bye. <laughs>